Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. It was 1914, Christmas Eve. The world was at war, nation against nation. And in the bloody, muddy trenches, there was the Germans and the Allies. And on Christmas Eve, in the midst of the conflict, there was a moment of peace as they exchanged gifts and sang songs and food. This Christmas peace. In this series here for our Advent time, we have Simple Christmas. We are exploring those overarching themes for this Advent and Christmas season. Last week we looked at hope and how we are called to live in and to be agents of the hope that we have in and through our Savior Jesus Christ. Today we're going to explore one of those overarching themes, not only within the church, but you see that outside in the holiday decorations, peace. You know, almost every culture, every language, you know, has a way of describing peace. In the Hebrew language, the word for peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom, which definitely means, you know, an end to conflict, like the Christmas Eve peace of 1914, but it means much more than simply the end of conflict. The Hebrew word shalom, and in the Greek, the word is erene, for peace. But as you think about, you know, what it means to have peace, in our lives, in our world. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your love. And Lord, as we look at what it means for us to have peace, what it means to have peace in our Savior Jesus, to live in that peace and to share that peace, a peace that's beyond any earthly understanding. Lord, we pray that you bless our hearts and Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear this word, and that word would shape us. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, that, that Hebrew word shalom that talks about peace is, again, it's a word that more, means more than just simply the end of conflict. Definitely means the end of conflict, you know, a nation at peace with another nation. But it's, it's much more rooted in a sense of wholeness and completeness. So I got up here today, if you can see from way back there, this is the game Jenga. Have you ever played the game Jenga before? Or a knockoff version of the game, you know, with blocks, and you, you got to do what? you know, got to slowly, like, pull one of these out and hope the whole thing doesn't come crashing down, right? I did this yesterday, and I pulled out, like, 12 of these, and I was waiting for it to come crashing down, and it didn't crash down. But, you know, the, the, the idea of wholeness and complete. So here is just some ideas of what it means to be whole and complete. From Joshua 8.31, and this is Joshua as he's taking the words given to Moses from God about building an altar. And it says these words here, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. In other words, a sense of wholeness and completeness. The sense of wholeness and completeness we, we see in this other episode in Scripture. In 1 Samuel 17, 22, 
Now, this is a battle scene, and a battle scene that you may be familiar with in the Bible, the Old Testament, is that of the Israelites on one side of the valley and the Philistines on the other side of the valley, and they're both kind of staring each other down. The Philistines, of course, have their champion, if you know his name, this giant of a guy named Goliath. And David has been sent by his father, Jesse, to go see what's happening in the battle, to go check on his older brothers. You know, you got to realize there is no, you know, live streaming of the battle scene. There were no reporters on the scene. There is no Twitter feeds or Instagram or Facebook. So David goes to bring some food, but to bring a report back to his father about what's going on. And as David goes there and he brings the food, you know, he goes to his brothers, and it says here, David ran to the battle line and gave shalom greetings to his brothers. Now, the shalom is not in most of your translations, probably. But he does more than just give them greetings. Hey, yo, what's up? It really is, how is your shalom? How are you doing? How is your wholeness? Because it was obvious that the Israelites were unsettled, right? Because sometimes in life, Things are unsettling. Ooh, this is going to fall down. And, uh, you know, and things become you know, incomplete, right? And the more that things become unsettling and incomplete, the more that there are challenges and hardships, the more that you know, it feels like everything's going to fall apart. You see, this peace, this shalom that is spoken about here in Scripture is, again, more than just simply an end of conflict. It's a sense of wholeness, of completeness. This, this shalom, this, this peace, of course, what happens to this peace often is this peace begins to fall apart. This peace began falling apart when God created this world in which you live in. He created human beings, breathing life into them and, and gave them the garden to live in. And he said, you know, you can have anything in this garden except for this one tree. Do not eat of it. And, of course, they did what? As they eat of the tree. They eat of the forbidden fruit, and now there is this disharmony in our world and all of creation. No longer is this sense of wholeness and completeness because of sin. And yes, God's people were called to live in this shalom. And, and the kings, you know, the kings were called to, you know, bring this peace in this shalom. Yet they often didn't. They warred against other nations. They, they led their people in disobeying God and, and would be carried away into captivity. And, you know, they never ruled the way God intended them to rule. Of course, ultimately, God wanted to be their king, but they wanted and demanded that they have an earthly king like everybody else. God also called them. Often we think of the Old Testament having a lot of rules. The idea is that God was sending up a way for them to live as a community of his people. And they often failed to live the way God had called them to live. They often failed to live in community with one another. And as they began to live in that disharmony, that peace began to break down. And as they continued chasing after other gods, as they continued in their sin, their relationship with God began to break down, and there was disharmony. And the promise then that God begins to do, he begins reaching back to a promise he made long ago. The words of Isaiah 9, words you may be familiar with, you know, let's read these together. He will be named 
prince of shalom, and there will be no end of shalom. Now, of course, again, the word shalom means what? Peace. So often you hear this, he will be named wonderful counsel or mighty God, prince of peace. You know, on his shoulders will be the government and, and of his ruling, of his care, there will be no end to that peace, to that shalom. But again, shalom is not just you know, the ending of conflict. Can we get an image of that too in the words that Dale read for us in Isaiah? Of, you know, this peace when which seems like two groups that would be at odds with each other, like the lion and the lamb lying down together. That a child playing, playing around in a, you know, cobra's nest. But, you know, again, we live in a world that... We live in a world where things begin to fall apart, don't they? And life at times feels like it's in shambles. And what we long for is we long for that peace, not just an end to conflict, a conflict, you know, in our world as we see, you know, this last week that unfolded at two different naval bases, one in Pensacola, one in Hawaii. We, we hear about the wars and the rumors of wars, and there's, there's political conflict in our nation and other nations around the world. And there's conflict in our homes and in our lives. There's a sense of brokenness. We long for that wholeness and completeness, for that shalom. Again, that, that word of peace, Irene, in the Greek, we hear about the one who is our peace. Of course, in Isaiah, it talks about the mighty counsel, right? The, the wonderful God, that the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. That's speaking about whom? About Jesus. About Jesus, who is our peace. And Jesus even says here, and let's read these words from John 14. I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving you my peace. This is the one that the prophet spoke about, that he will be the prince of peace. This is the one that Paul writes later as, you know, this peace that he gives us, this peace that he is, is a peace that's beyond any earthly understanding. We cannot fully comprehend this peace, this wholeness, because, you know, we live in this disarray and this brokenness in our lives, in our relationships, in our relationship with God, in our relationship with one another, in our relationship to the world. There is no wholeness or completeness because of sin. Yet we hold on to that promise that that little baby born in Bethlehem is the Prince of Peace. That in his suffering... In his death and his resurrection, he brings us peace. He gives us peace. Now, Paul begins to describe a little bit more what this peace means. Romans 5, 1, let's read together. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. He said that peace first begins in our relationship with God. It is that, that vertical relationship. That what Jesus does, the one who is our peace, who gives us his peace, his shalom, his arene, is he restores that relationship with God. Because it's elsewhere in Romans that Paul talks about that we are at war with God because of our sinfulness. That because of our sinfulness, we are enemies of God. We are in conflict with God. And it is God alone who can restore that peace 
who can restore that shalom, that wholeness. And he does this in Jesus, in our baptism. He does this in faith as through our Savior, he works in and through our lives. Paul also writes these words, first, or Colossians 1.19. Let's read this together. He did this by making peace through Christ's blood sacrifice on the cross. The blood Jesus shed for us, the life that he gave for us, the sacrifice on the cross gives us peace. A peace in our relationship with our God. A peace that begins to shape our lives. Paul says here in Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace. He is our irene, again in the Greek or in the Hebrew, our shalom. It is he who brings us not only an end to the conflict and our relationship with God, but a wholeness, a completeness, that he continues working in our lives, the Spirit working in our lives through the Word and through his sacrifice. Giving us life for us, Jesus brings the gift of peace. Peace between us, our God, our Creator but also a peace in which now we are called to live, much like God called his people to, to live in this shalom. Again, you know, we often look at this as having rules that they were to live by, but these rules that they were designed so they would live in this sense of wholeness as a community of people. For example, you know, if I had a cow and my cow went into Ken's corn and ate his corn, that to restore shalom in our relationship, I would go compensate Ken for the value of the corn that he would lose. And that we'd want to do that so that we'd have this shalom, this completeness, this wholeness, this peace in our relationship. See, as we talk about this peace that we have with God, we begin to understand, too, this peace, again, is not just vertical, it's also horizontal because we are called to live in this restorative peace, this peace that begins shaping who we are and how we live. I mentioned this a little earlier, Philippians 4, 7. Let's read this together. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, this peace will control the way we think and the way we feel. It will control the way we relate, not only to our God, but the way that we relate to one another. The way that we relate and live in this peace. So as we think about this season of Advent and, and Christmas, we think about peace. You know, peace on earth. We sing that in so many of the, of the Christmas songs. This peace on earth that God gives is first and foremost a peace with our Creator God. It is a restored relationship with a God who loves and forgives. A God who would not leave us in the mass and disarray, like my Jenga said here, it looks like now, of our lives. But it begins to rebuild our lives. It begins to rebuild and restore us. Now, are we fully complete in this restoration? That's kind of a yes and no. Yes, we are, yet not yet. Not fully complete, not fully restored until God has accomplished that work, until we 
or with our God in heaven. But he begins that restoring process. And as he begins to restore us, he begins to help us restore our lives to live in peace with one another. Because again, that peace shapes and controls our lives. Colossians 3.15, let's read this together. Let Christ's peace control you. Let his peace, again, a peace not only an end to conflict, but to wholeness. A desire to let his peace control or to shape our thinking and our actions. Our thinking and our actions as we talk about what it means for us to live in that peace with one another here as a community of believers. To live in peace as a community of believers with the community of Lincoln and this world in which we live. That we are called, much like we talked last week, about being agents of the hope that we have in Jesus. So now we are called to be creators of the hope and the peace that we have in Jesus. So here's the challenge for us, I think, as we consider this Advent, this Christmas season. How will you be a creator of peace? That peace that's beyond our earthly understanding, a peace the world cannot understand, is a peace we are called to live and to share. This peace, this peace, this shalom, not just an end to relational conflict, it's definitely that. And so if you've got a relational conflict, you know, either with you know, someone close to you, someone in your neighborhood, someone you work with, you go to school with, then you'll seek to restore that relationship. But it's also restoring wholeness to those whose lives are broken, to those whose lives are incomplete and hurting, to a restoration that comes only in the grace and the love, and the hope, and the peace of our God. And the one who is our peace, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and we give you praise. That you are our peace. That as our peace, you have restored our peace, our wholeness in faith and relationship to our God. And Lord, as we live in this peace, we pray that just like as we live in the hope we have in you, Jesus, and that we are agents of that hope in our world, in our families, in our community, so Lord, we would also be creators of peace. Creators of peace within our community of believers here at Holy Savior, that we would be creators of peace as you send us out into our community of Lincoln in this world, that you would help us through our actions through our words, to be ones that help restore wholeness to those who are broken and hurting, to restore to them the hope and peace that is you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.